It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Live from Armory Studios in Central Florida, you're listening to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Draw all gas, no break. And now, give it up for your hosts, CJ, Kevin, Jimmy, and Harrison. Take it away, boys. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and I am joined tonight by one of the members of my squadron, as Mr. Kevin Spotty Blackman Jackson is on his way to a seminar this evening. We wish him safe travels, and I hope he has a lot of fun doing what he's got to do. But first things first, let me introduce my XO tonight. He's back in the building! From his top secret bunker over there in Idaho! Give it up for Jimmy the Reaper! Reaper, what is going on, my brother? Uh, Not a whole lot, just a bunch of... uh... A bunch of drama going on on Facebook about the team. A bunch of statements being made. A bunch of people flying off the, at the mouth that shouldn't be. So, can't wait to get into it. Yeah, tonight's inter- uh, tonight's episode is going to be rather, rather interesting. Um, we do have a couple of things uh, to cover, especially as uh, we just got finished talking about a little bit. We, we are going to cover a little bit of free agency. There's a couple of news and notes. Jimmy has his... Um, front office segment, which I'm very, very interested in hearing who he's got in the front office tonight. I am actually going to be spearheading Mr. Kevin Jackson's In the Spotlight uh, segment this evening as I have somebody who we're going to be shining the white hot on. So uh, I got some big shoes to fill for night for Jax. So, you know, it's going to be awesome. And I'm really, really so pumped to get tonight's show underway. But first, ladies and gentlemen, as you can notice on the bottom of your screen. We have a very special guest joining us tonight on Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. He is the man, the myth, the legend. Give it up for Mr. Jets! How is it going, y'all? Excited to be on the pod at two at night. Segment sounds ultra crazy. Let's get it lit. It's Friday night. Heck yeah. It's time to fire this up. Fire it up. We're going to be fact. So you know what, Jimmy? I'm going to pass the torch to you, my brother. To you, front office. Talk to me. Who we got? <laughs> We're coming in hot already. That's right. We're unleashing the Apaches. <laughs> well, everybody, today today in the front office, we have none other than Braxton Berrios. There's been so much talk about this, and I feel that I need to set the record straight for a lot of people that are just kind of jumping the gun and and kind of misunderstanding what's happening and also throw in 
my theory on what should happen with Braxton Berrios and how we should go about getting him re-signed. Some rumor came out that his agents are asking for $9 million per year. They might, they might be asking for them to get, they're not going to get that anywhere in the NFL. I don't, I don't care who thinks that's going to happen. It's just not going to happen. They know that Braxton Berrios's market value in the NFL is a little over $5 million. They're asking for nine and essentially hoping to get seven. Seven's not bad. I want the Jets to be smart with the money. And we all know Joe Douglas is smart with his money, which is the reason why he's probably, and I'm going to, I'm just going to say it, that Joe Douglas is the best GM that the Jets have had in the modern era. And people just don't understand what is happening here. This is standard negotiation stuff. You ask for something high. So that way you're, you want this. You ask for more, you can work down to what you want. That's pretty much what's going to happen. And I actually have the best scenario that I think that would help not only the Jets, but Braxton Berrios as well. What needs to happen is Braxton Berrios needs to be signed to a four-year, $20 million contract. This contract needs to be front-loaded. And we're going we're gonna to talk about $13 million guaranteed is what I'm thinking. We front-load the Berrios contract so that the guarantee is paid off in the first two years. That gives Braxton Berrios $7.5 million of cash per year for the first two years. Here's the kicker. After the guarantee is paid off, we still hold contract rights on him for two extra years. That means we have no dead cap for Braxton Berrios should we need to deal him after the first two years of the contract. You incentivize the back end to where he can make 7.5 or more per year. Call it whatever you want. Call it a million dollars for... 120 receptions or you know whatever the case may be kickoff return bonuses whatever whatever they want to structure the bonuses give the cash that braxton barrios wants now what other people aren't realizing is no matter how much i hate the cowboys jerry jones is a contract genius and i can point you to the dak prescott contract that he just signed last year and we can do the same type of thing with braxton barrios and that is add a fifth year at the end of the contract that's voidable Ninth year that's voidable on the end of his deal, Braxton Berrios' his cap hit drops to $4 million per year for the entirety of the four-year contract. He'll never exceed $4 million, but he'll make 7.5, 7.5, and 8 plus, 8 plus for his four-year deal. That gives the Jets the cap flexibility, and we keep a really solid player, but ultimately he's a number three receiver, and uh, – He's not going to be. He's not going to be getting nine million dollars a year from anywhere in the NFL. So that is who was in the front office this evening. I agree with you. You know, especially that incentives part. Barrios really liked the incentives part. Uh, Braxton, you know, he's not starting slot receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Jamison Crowder, whenever he signed with the New York Jets, was getting paid nine point five million dollars a season before he took the cap hit in his first four seasons in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Crowder accomplished so much more than Braxton Barrios did. And for Barrios is and his team to want $9 million just because he's the best friend of your quarterback and he's a good returner is nonsense. You look at some of the best return men in the NFL, they're not getting paid $9 million a season. Andre Roberts, his max contract numbers are normally around $2 million a year. And as you said, Barrios, at best, he's a wide receiver three. Barrios is going to be nowhere near a wide receiver one, wide receiver two. At best, he's a three. And to pay him $9 million, mostly because he's a good kick returner, just isn't, you know, what we need to do. 
So loading his contracts with incentives is a smart thing for the Jets. Giving him the bonuses for a certain amount of catches, a certain amount of touchdowns, a certain amount of yards mm-hmm. is what the New York Jets should be doing. And like you said, you know, Braxton Berrios, he shouldn't be getting a base contract of $9 million. At best, $5 million. That's the max base contract Barrio should be getting, and he has the chance to earn up to $9 million. So, good with everything you said. Appreciate it. <laughs> CJ, what do you think? Well, for me, as far as Braxton Berrios is concerned, I kind of like the, the incentive the, the incentive based deal. This was something I actually talked about a little bit on Weapon Top Mission Briefs on Tuesday night. I invite everyone to go and to check it out on Jets World. I think a fair contract for him is three years, $21 million. Maybe make $15 million guaranteed for him because of his hard work and because of his service and, and, and showing thanks to him for, for his dedication and putting everything on the line for the New York Jets organization, especially because of the fact that he's been, besides Jamison Crowder, our most reliable receiver last year. Plus, he was a huge special teams threat. And then as the season went on, Zach Wilson began to trust him more and more with the football, in which they started doing, uh, they started utilizing him in places when Elijah Moore went down. So he took the, he made the most of his opportunity to step up. And he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's earned this contract. Mm-hmm. But people saying that he's going to get, that, you know, he's going to ask for like, between 10 and 12 million, 10 to 15 million. No, that that's venturing into the realm of insanity because no one is going to pay that kind of money for a guy who's going to be fourth on your depth chart. Let's make something clear. Braxton Berrios, great receiver. Yeah. Great receiver, great special teamer, got a heart got got a warrior's heart, got the heart of a champion. No doubt about it. Not for ten to fifteen million a year. I'm sorry, you get insulted by that. You think I'm I'm undercutting it or I'm selling him short. That's your problem. Plain and simple. I don't think so, because he's not a number one receiver. You pay ten to fifteen million dollars for for a number one receiver, yeah, maybe yeah. even a number two receiver. But you're not paying that kind of guy for. You're not paying that money to a gadget guy. Three years, twenty one million, fifteen mil guaranteed. I no. think that's more than fair. I even like Jimmy's contract too. So, nah. Sorry. Jimmy, your thoughts. I'm sure you have a follow-up. Nine million is baseline wide receiver two money. And everybody loves to make the distinction. Well, Braxton Berrios is, is like our Cole Beasley. Except for the fact that Cole Beasley is the number two in Buffalo behind Diggs. Cole Beasley has put his time in. I think he's going into his 10th NFL season in 22. He's put the time in. He's been considered. He's earned that type of money. He's earned the number two spot. Braxton Berrios on any NFL roster. I don't care if it's the Houston Texans or the Jaguars. Braxton Berrios is a number three wide receiver at best on any NFL roster. And you don't pay your number three guy $9 million because then your number two and your number one guys are going to be like, well, what about me? What, what, I've produced double that. Now you're going to have three receivers that want 15 to 20. This doesn't take place in a vacuum. You know what I mean? You keep money at Braxton Berrios because you like the guy. I, it just doesn't make sense. It's not business. It's not business smart. And football is a business. I mean, I know it sucks. I know we love the, I love Braxton Berrios. And I just wish the Jets fans on Facebook would stop making me argue against him. Just <laughs> like, say smart things. 
Say smart things online so I can agree with you. That's what I want. Barrios, I mean, as much as I love Barrios, I want him to be a Jet for life. Yeah. But if we're going to pay him $9 million a season, I'm sorry, he can walk. Like, I'm not going to be paying Barrios $9 million a season just because he can return kicks for us. Like, mm-hmm. we can go out and sign any other guy for cheaper to do that. I mean, he might have been an all-pro, and he might be best friends with Zach Wilson. But to pay him $9 million a season is absurd. It's absurd. Blake well, McLaughlin like in, the con- in, in, in the comments, jo- uh, um, he's, he says he deserves $7.5 million, that he disagrees. Um, he's good. He's a playmaker. Blake, I completely, uh, I completely understand. I completely understand the vein of where you're coming from. This is why when I kind of looked at the contract that I, well, I would offer him three years, twenty-one million, fifteen guaranteed. I think that's more than fair. Absolutely more than fair. Jimmy, I, I, I know you have an answer. Deserving seven point five, he gets that with my with my contract idea, and he only is a four million dollar cap hit to the Jets. That's what that's what we have to focus on too. I I want to pay our players, but I want them to be team friendly contracts. The more team friendly contracts we have, the more people that we can do these contracts for. I did give Jerry Jones a bit of credit there, but let's not really been able to do anything for the last twenty years, and they've had player at the most positions in the NFL for decade now, and it doesn't work. You have to be able to spread that. I like Barrios too, but honestly, I think seven million might be a little bit too much for Barrios. Personally, I think somewhere in that. Now, I wouldn't be mad if we get Barrios seven million, but I like somewhere between the five million dollar range for Braxton, and I think giving him a contract similar to Keelan Cole's last year is something that I think the Jets might do for Barrios. Because you look at what Keelan Cole did in his first four seasons, a lot of good numbers in Jacksonville, and he was also a threat in the return game. Cole had a touchdown, I believe, as a punt returner in 2020, might have had some before there. And, I mean, look, I wouldn't be mad if we're signing Barrios for $7 million, but I would give him a base of $5 million. And sign him to a multi-year deal, give him a lot of guaranteed money, and also give him a lot of incentives and a lot of bonuses that would increase his pay. You know, maybe give him a five-year or four-year, $20 million contract, like Jimmy said, but it has the chance to earn up to like $30 million or something like that. Similar how we did with Gerard Davis. I believe he was getting only getting paid like $5 million last year, but he had the chance to earn up to $7 million. So, you know, just shoving his contract with a load of incentives is honestly what I think the New York Jets should do, but that's just my opinion. All right, I guys. Blake's comment, $5 million is laughable. Blake, that is his market value. Like, that's what the people are saying across the NFL. Like, you know, I, he might not be worth the comparison to Keelan Cole, but Cole was putting up better stats than Barrios or has produced more than Barrios has in his first four seasons. Barrios was better than him last season and is – most likely going to have a better NFL career, but the numbers don't lie. Yeah, I completely agree. One of the things here is that Braxton Berrios has the potential to be a very dangerous weapon in this New York Jets offense. Now, mind you, the New York Jets offense experienced a little bit of sputtering, a little bit of turbulence, but toward the end of the season, after Zach Wilson came back from injury, when he shook off the rust after that Texans game, you saw that he was very, very, cap- very, very capable of being able to lead this to lead this offense level. Although the Buffalo Bills game uh, is not indicative of it. I think he had probably one of the worst games of, of the season. 
but also let's keep in mind that he was also playing with a, a few scrubs under the bro, you know, a, a few scrubs that they signed a couple of days later, you know, a couple of tra- uh, trash cans and a traffic cone, you know, uh, and the, you know, I mean, the Buffalo Bills, a lot of people will, will make a ton of just, you know, r- ridiculous excuses for them, all right, and for me, I'm not really into the, into the realm of excuses, so, you know, the, the Buffalo Bills had a shitty game, and, and you know what, plain and simple, the New York Jets held toe-to-toe with them, with the score being 13-10, to and were probably one big play away from taking the lead in that game until the wheels fell off the wagon of the defense in the fourth quarter. Now, is that indicative because the Bills were kind of just playing around with us, they didn't take the game seriously, or did the Jets really give them a fit? Because as far as I'm concerned, the following week when they, when they went out of the first round of the playoffs and they smacked, the, they smacked the shit out of the New England Patriots, okay, and we saw a completely different Buffalo defense and we saw a completely different Buffalo offense. But mind you, the same players were playing versus the New York Jets the week before. So which is it? Which Buffalo Bills team did we see? Because I'm tired of the excuses that the New York Jets are a bad football team. Because there are some solid pieces on here. Now, this is not me talking with green and white glasses going on. This is looking at actual tape and sitting through a 17-game season where you could actually say, even though it was a huge push forward and we did not get the desired result at the end of the season, the Jets still, in fact, played their best football in the month of December than they did back in September when they started the season. Gentlemen, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts about what I just discussed. Jude, we'll start with you, and we'll swing back to our next topic of conversation for this evening. Well, I mean, I definitely agree. The best football was played in December. We were going toe-to-toe with two playoff football teams with scraps as our starters. Braxton Berrios was our wide receiver number one. Kenny Yaboa was our tight end number one in the game against the Buccaneers, and yet we almost won. Against the Buffalo Bills, Zach Wilson had nobody to throw to he had nobody to do anything with on offense and yet we almost won that football game Tariq Black made his NFL debut against the Buffalo Bills was our wide receiver two or like three in that game and so Zach Wilson he definitely I definitely think he improved in the month of December and and I do think a lot of that has to do with our coaching staff. A lot of credit has to be due to our coaching staff. This Jets team was falling apart. We had COVID issues. We had a ton of people getting injured. And the coaching staff, they managed to keep us upright. And we almost won every single football game we played in December. I remember making a video about our last three games. And I was just like, do the New York Jets win any? Do we win for the rest of the season? I'm like, Jacksonville and the rest, I don't think so. But all three of those games... We could have won, and we definitely did win one. So this team does have a lot of pieces that we could keep moving forward, especially, you know, we just have all these young guys, and that has a lot of credit has to be due to Joe Douglas for that as well. But this team, it has pieces, and we are a step close to not being considered as a stereotype team in the NFL. I think this team is really close to making a Cincinnati Bengals-like turnaround. It's definitely possible. So this Jets team, it's going to, you know, very soon. It might not be next year, but within the next two years, we're not going to be a laugh stock. 
we're going to be taken seriously. Jimmy, what are your thoughts? I think we're on the right track to be to have a deep playoff run by 2023, and I think we can make the playoffs in 2022. This organization has to stay smart, and that's like that's what I'm. And and see Blake in the comments. I see you, brother. I do, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm I don't set the market value for Barrios. Let me just address that. Five point nine million is the market value. Five point nine. I mean, that's just what the value is. On, on Braxton Berrios and my contract would give him 7.5 and over eight. But the cap hit is the key right there. We need to reduce the cap hit. And I, I found a way to do that. But uh, as far as, as far as the late season, I think Zach Wilson showed amazing, amazing. I think once the wide receivers stopped dropping the passes, then, then we saw what they could really do as an offense. Um, it was kind of unfortunate that that just happened to be the time where Michael Carter went down as well. So, you know, I, I would have loved to have seen the improved passing game with the solid running game of Michael Carter. I can't wait to see that kid next year. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I'll be getting a Michael Carter jersey. That's 100% for, for real. Um, but I like, where, I like where we're at, and I like where we're going. I just I, I wish some of the other fans could see it as well. You know, Carter, he gave me a lot of hope, too. That game against Jacksonville ran for over 100 yards. And I'm telling you, he was going to do it against Buck and Tampa Bay. He had that big run to start off the game, back-to-back 100-yard <laughs> game set, easily. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. I'm about to take the helm over here really quick. Before I get into the In the Spotlight segment, um, just some somber news. I want to give a shout-out to my good friend, Mr. Michael Maynard. Um. He most recently is a Miami Dolphins fan, but believe it or not, he actually watches the show from time to time. Um, yesterday, he got some very, very terrible news. Um, his father, Warren, uh, passed away. Uh, I did not get the details of his passing, but Mike is my friend. He's a very good friend. He and I used to play hockey together at Liberty Park over here in Palm Bay. Played deck hockey for a while. Uh, we became very good friends. We, we've been keeping in touch through the whole thing, so... Uh, tonight he's actually doing a, uh, a skate, uh, playing a game tonight. So, uh, I wish him well. I know he's skating with a heavy heart and he's, he's going to want to score some goals for dad. And I hope he gets that hat trick tonight for him. Um, I want to just let the main family know where the weapons hot family is keeping you in our thoughts and prayers, uh, as you guys are going through this difficult time. And Mikey, I love you, bro. You know how to get a hold of me if you need me. R.I.P. to Mr. Warren Maynard. And a uh, little fun fact. Mike and Warren, believe it or not, are actually distant relatives of uh, just recently passed uh, New York Jets Hall of Fame wide receiver Don Maynard. So, which I did not know until Mike told me, which I thought was pretty cool. Little uh, bittersweet fun fact for the evening. All right. Now we're going to kick it on over to something that I want to get into, which is the In the Spotlight segment. And normally Mr. Kevin Jackson uh, would would be doing this. But tonight, I'm going to take the helm for him, seeing as how uh, he is absent this evening. And we're going to be shining the great white hot spotlight. Former New York Jets quarterback, Joe Namath, probably asking CJ, why are we talking about Joe here? Why are we talking about Broadway Joe tonight? Well, 
I'm going to tell you why. And the reason why the spotlight is on him, because of the comments on the Michael K show when he was asked in regards about Zach Wilson. When discussing Wilson's so-called size concerns, Namath made a pretty outlandish take on what he believes to be an ideal quarterback should look like. In regards to Zach Wilson, he certainly has the physical ability to buy time to throw strikes. Most guys can improve on their accuracy and should in this day and age, practicing it year-round. I like him, but I don't know how long he's going to last. You'd like for a guy to be six foot six, six foot seven back there in the pocket. Schooled's out still on how Zach is going to do. Now, not for nothing, Joe Namath is six foot two, only a few pounds heavier than Zach Wilson. So I really don't know where these comments are coming from. And Joe, I respect you to the moon and back. Okay, you're responsible for the New York Jets' one and only Super Bowl win in this franchise's history. I take nothing away from you with that. But dude, absolutely way off the marker. Now, don't get me wrong. You guys know exactly how I feel about Zach Wilson. And you guys know that I feel like that he has a lot to do in order to improve to be an NFL caliber quarterback. And the reason being why I'm still very critical of Zach Wilson, we put our stock in Sam Darnold as being the chosen one, as being the fran- the, the future of the franchise, etc., 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 three years ago, and that went to shit. So I'm not falling for it. What I want to see is you go out on the field and execute and perform. Which is why, if you go and take a look at the archives of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast for this entire season, your host, yours truly, CJ, has been incredibly critical of Zach Wilson. Critical to the point that I felt that he needed to be benched. Critical enough to the point that I felt like the New York Jets should have made a harder push to get a veteran quarterback and have the veteran quarterback start the beginning of the season and then give the keys to the kid after the bye week for the London game. It's all on tape. Go listen to it. Trailing back to Joe Namath. We respect your opinion when it comes to quarterbacks because we know you know your stuff. Okay, but this is a different era. And sure, Zach Wilson took some pretty brutal hits. That's on the offensive line and some of it's on him for not making the right reads. So the kid got his baptism by fire this year. But to say that you don't know how long he's going to last back there, that's just ridiculous, dude. Do me a favor. Stick to your Flexol 454 commercials. Go back into the hyperbaric chamber and get the oxygen treatments. Go kick back, relax, light up a cigar, and enjoy all the millions that you've made throughout your career through endorsements and so on and so forth. But please, do me a favor. Don't comment on the quarterbacks, on the future quarterbacks of the New York Jets. Do you know why? Because this is a different game from when you played. Sure, the rules may be the same, but things operate at a different speed. A lot of people freaking enjoy listening to you and listening to your opinion because you are a rah-rah guy when it comes to the New York Jets. No doubt. Myself included. I love listening to you give your opinions on today's Jets team. But this, this was you putting your foot in your mouth. Because I don't think that the New York Jets organization, with as much draft capital as they have invested, going to bend themselves over a barrel and put themselves in a compromising position where this could be a catastrophic failure, which could cost both Joe Douglas and Robert Sala their jobs. You have an entire fan base, an entire franchise loaded on the back of this kid. 
and they have invested significant assets into his development. If the kid's going to be a bust, let's talk about that when he actually becomes a bust. Not that everybody was kissing Sam Donald's ass after he got traded to Carolina, and you had Jet fans taking to social media saying, Ooh, you're going to ruin the day! Sam Donald's going to throw for a thousand yards against the Jets! Where's Sam Donald now? He's about a tick away from being released. Guarantee you they are regretting picking up his fifth-year option. So, Joe, please, just shut your mouth. Do us all a favor. Please. Gentlemen, Joe Namath in the spotlight tonight. Your thoughts? I agree with everything you said. Joe Namath can't be making those comments whenever he is the exact same height as Zach Wilson. I don't know if whenever he was doing the interview, he thought he was six foot six or something, but Joe Namath <laughs> is literally the same height as Zach Wilson and was a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't know if maybe he has dementia or something and forgot he's an Hall of Fame quarterback, but he made the Hall of Fame as a six foot two quarterback. And Zach Wilson, I mean, most quarterbacks in the NFL are around that height. Patrick Mahomes, the baby goat, is six foot three. I believe the only quarterback who is around a six foot six, six foot seven height who's actually doing something in the NFL right now is Justin Herbert. You're rarely going to see a quarterback six foot six doing something in the NFL. And I don't know where Joe Namath thought, you know, he a quarterback needs to be six foot six from, but that's just an outlandish take because there's only one quarterback in the NFL, one starting quarterback, who is above that height. Don't name it. It's just crazy comments. I mean, Zach Wilson, he's probably going to be fine. I definitely think he's going to be fine once he gets some more weapons, once we can fix up, fix up this. going to be all right. And those comments by Joe Namath were just absolutely outlandish. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think I'm going to take a little bit of a, of a different avenue here. Um, Joe can say whatever he wants. And I guess he's earned it. I would just caution people to just kind of take what he says with a grain of salt when it comes to quarterback evaluation. I'm probably going to start some form of riot and revolt in the chat here in a second, but let's not pretend that Joe Namath was just some god amongst quarterbacks, guys. He won us a Super Bowl. I, I give him that. He had flair. I give him that. The, the guy invented swag in the NFL, but he's not even in the top 50 of all, in all-time passing yards. He's sitting at just a little over 27,000. He's got a 50.1 completion percentage. He's got 173 touchdowns and 220 interceptions. That's just not the guy I'm going to take quarterback evaluation advice from. And I'm sorry about that. So I love Joe Namath. I, I think he's a badass. But the fact of the matter is, is this is a completely different game than what he, he played. And CJ, you, you, you were a little bit mixed up, actually. Uh, Joe Namath was actually about 12 pounds lighter than Zach Wilson. Yeah, so I knew it was one or the other because they did some some sort of a tale, tale of the tape between Zach Wilson and, and, and Joe Namath. And, and I just don't – Joe is a rah-rah guy. If there, if there is anyone who looks at the New York Jets organization through the green and white goggles, it's him. I mean, if there's anybody Scott Kalisby should be cursing out in, the, in, in friggin' you know, Facebook Messenger or on comments or whatever when he's on chat boards, it's definitely Joe Namath because he thinks that every person that the New York Jets get a hold of is a Hall of Famer. 
Like, he still thinks it's 1968, and, and, and we're running, you know, Don Maynard and Emerson Boozer and, 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 and Rocky Turner out there in company. I get it, and I respect his opinion. I do, but I don't think this is the right opinion. I don't think that this is something that you, that, that you say. If you have an opinion, if you feel like it that, it, that it's that bad, okay, fine. But you want to know something? Zach Wilson did not have it last year. Yeah, let, let, let's call it what it is, okay? He had a typical rookie season behind a Midland offensive line, and he learned, baptism by fire, how to play the NFL game at the NFL speed. Let's call it what it is. Zach Wilson did not like the game, or did not like the world on fire last year. Jet fans were expecting him to from the moment that he popped out because everybody wants, every quarterback that's, that's drafted here, we want them to be instant Patrick Mahomes without even stepping onto the field. All right, and we need to stop that mindset. It is ridiculous. Now, another thing too is, is that we take a look at the Cincinnati Bengals, right? The Cincinnati Bengals went from worst to now playing in a Super Bowl in two years' time. You don't think the Jet fans are noticing this and looking at Joe Douglas saying, why can't you do what they did over there in Cincinnati? Come on. And I mean, look, no disrespect to the Bengals, but the Bengals have been rebuilding for 10 years. It's just asinine. Just stop. It's embarrassing. You embarrass the fan base when you put this stuff out into the ether. Just shut up. I laugh when people talk about how fast Cincinnati turned around. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? How fast they turned around. It's like after two years, people forget that the NFL was actually still around two, three years ago and longer. Like, it's like, no, if it didn't happen within two years, they don't remember it. Nobody knows what's going on. Cincinnati didn't just flip a switch and go to the Super Bowl. And furthermore, Cincinnati is going to be in a lot of financial trouble probably in the next two years. So that's not a sustainable team that they built. I just think personally, I think it's a joke. For now, these expectations, okay, to, to, to be held. You know, another person who was very critical of Zach Wilson was Mr. Daniel Kelly, who was on um, Weapons Hot Mission Briefs again. Okay, in my interview with him, where he where uh, he put an article out there, which I know, Jimmy, you're going to blow your stack, but I want you to save those bullets for when we do Weapons Hot After Dark, because I'm sure that there's a lot of profanity that's going to come out of your mouth like there, there, there was with mine. And I was relatively tame, okay, to be, to, to, to be respectful. I invite you to go check out the article from SportsIllustrated.com that Daniel Kelly wrote. The, the article, the article is. Say it. It's okay. It's okay. Say it. Get off your chest. Just clean. Yeah, I we're we're on we're on the worldwide we're on the worldwide sports radio network. The article was doo doo, my guy. <laughs> Nowhere in it does he explain why. The Jets should get Deshaun Watson. He just says they should do it because he's dynamic. In 2020, that would have made sense because, and I'm talking pre-allegations for Deshaun Watson, okay? If we would have traded for Deshaun Watson, we would have, he would have been, I think it was like just over $11 million cap hit to the Jets. Instantly made us better. I agree. You know, Talk about 
losing the first round capital, I don't think Joe Douglas would have given three. And I think Houston would have taken a lesser deal, but it doesn't make sense. Now, nothing in 2022 is guaranteed for Watson. If anything, like it's not only these, these uh, sexual assault allegations, but there's also a human trafficking federal investigation that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, what are you even talking about, Daniel? So not only is 2022 not guaranteed or, or is completely up in the air, his entire future is up in the air. Why would you deal a first-round pick for a guy that's not going to uh, – a rookie maybe. You draft a rookie and you'd like him to sit for a year and learn. But when you have a star like Deshaun Watson, you're going to give a first-round pick and he's not going to touch the field? Right. Plus, on top of it, that's he hasn't not, he hasn't seen the field. He he hasn't seen the field in over a year. God knows what kind of shape he's coming into. Look what happened with Le'Veon Bell. He's out of the league now. Right. Do we not learn from Le'Veon Bell? You can't be an all-star at your position and then take a, a year or two off and come back and think you're going to be at that number top three quarterback level or top three running back level. It doesn't happen. You cannot get into football shape when you're not playing football. Your body has to get used to the game speed, and you can only do that by playing the game. It's a terrible idea. It's a, a massively expensive idea. We would still be responsible for the remainder of his contract. He's going to be $42 million against the cap this year. Why would you do that? Yeah, it's, it's, now, it's ridiculous. I didn't read the article, but <laughs> I could just already say that. Why would you trade for Deshaun Watson with all the stuff that is going around with him right now? Now, I mean, you might may or may not be sold on Zach Wilson, but you everyone should agree that Zach Wilson would be a far better option than Deshaun Watson next season. Just because we have no idea is Deshaun Watson's ever going to see a football field like, and as Jimmy was saying, he hasn't seen a big old contract who has all of this stuff attached to him makes zero sense whatsoever. And even whenever you have a rookie quarterback, you're not just going to take Zach Wilson second overall and then trade him just because Sean Watson's available. Like, I don't care if we were even going to get Aaron Rodgers. I doubt the New York Jets would trade Zach Wilson yeah, no. just be, um, or trade for any quarterback at all just because, you know, they have the name. And Aaron Rodgers or any quarterback would make this team good. But, I mean, like... No, Zach Wilson, we took him second overall. This is the guy we're going to build our team around. And honestly, I don't buy into any of those rumors that we're going to be trading for a quarterback. Like, I saw something on TikTok the other day that the New York Jets were going to land Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm just like, why yeah, would we trade want that, for that Jimmy wild th- He has a horrible contract. God, it makes my head hurt. It's so stupid. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't even be a better option than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson with a good tight end, with good weapons, would be a better player than he was last season. We saw him play his best football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team who made it all the way to the divisional round of the playoffs with Braxton Berrios as his wide receiver number one and Kenny Yaboa as his tight end one. And when Dan Feeney as his center, like, you know, Zach Wilson... I think he has great future. I think he has a lot of potential. And if you just give this guy weapons, give this guy an offensive line, we can see him play good football. Yeah, I agree. That's why the price dropped for Deshaun Watson. And that's why the price dropped for Deshaun Watson from three first-round picks down to one. 
because Houston has to get rid of him now because his cap is going to explode and he's still on their roster. Mm-hmm. So they can't just cut him. So now it's a one first round pick, but, but now you're, you're asking Houston is essentially asking another team to spend $40 million, 35, $40 million, more than 25% of our salary cap on a player. That's not going to play. That's completely ridiculous to put out as an actual legitimate take. I'm sorry, Especially man. Now, like, Dan, Daniel's a good dude, but when it comes to football, me and him are just at odds 100% of the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, look, I, I'm, I feel the I same way. I'm a guy whatsoever, but Sean Watson. Yeah, maybe two years ago. All right, but anyhow, let's uh, go into what tonight's topic yeah. of conversation is going to be, which is the preemptive strike at free agency. All right, so the New York Jets need to attack free agency hard. They need to go out and they need to stop being chintzy, and we need to go out and get some guys who can assist a lot of these rookies that we have here uh, continue to develop and try to take that next step. That being said, then Robert Sala squarely put the bullseye on their own foreheads when they had said that six wins in two years is simply not uh, simply not acceptable within the New York Jets organization. And he's right. Because the fan base right now is anxious. They're angry. They're frustrated. They want food. They want success. They want wins. Because when you go and see rating worse than the New York Jets, and they have made remarkable strides moving forward to be not only competitive, but deeply competitive, Joe Douglas needs to now put his foot on the gas, take a few more pages out of the Ozzie Newsom GM handbook, and start working his magic to start rebuilding this roster. So Scott had an interesting uh, comment in the comments. I invite everybody to go and read it. I'm not going to read it on air because I just shut it off. But anyhow, we're going to circle around the room. Jimmy, I'm going to start with you. Give me a top five free agents that you would like to see the Jets go after and why. Then we'll circle the Jude, and then I'm going to finish it up. Floor's yours, my friend. To be honest, CJ, I don't have five. I have two, and they're not even necessarily, they're not even necessarily uh, free agents. Um, I don't care if one thing that Scott said, I think you were talking about the comment. Let me scroll back up here. Let's go into another year with 30 free agents because that's how you build a team. Scott, I completely agree with that. You build the team through your draft and you supplement through free agency. I don't need this team to pick up six or seven free agents this year. We need to, you were exactly right, CJ. We need to stop bargain bin shopping. Right. And we need to go after one or two top guys, elite guys. So I, I said on, on the front office a few weeks ago that I think the Jets should go after DK Metcalf. I think that we can give up a, a second round pick for him, and I think that would be sufficient. Or if Seattle, maybe Seattle wants their ten pick back, they give they give us DK and their second round for the ten pick, maybe something like that. But I think we need a DK, necessarily a Calvin Ridley. I'm not too sold on Amari Cooper; he's just too hot and cold. Um, hell, even Allen Robinson, somebody. But there needs to be an elite wide receiver. And my number, my my second guy that I want to pick up because New Orleans is Jude's down there in Louisiana, so New Orleans is in some cap hell going into twenty twenty two. Oh yeah! Uh, you guys, 
Somebody go out there and get me Marshawn Somebody go get me Marshawn Lattimore. You give me DK Metcalf on the offense, you give me Marshawn Lattimore on the defense, and I am a happy camper. Actually, uh, for my top five free agents, been having a list for a while now. Number one, really like Jesse Bates from Cincinnati. And I, before I start my list, I really think the New York Jets should go all added in free agency. I don't think we need to take this conservative route Joe Douglas hasn't taken for the past years. I think we really need to be very aggressive and go out and sign some of the top players. And one of the most important positions I think the Jets need to address this offseason is safety because if you remember some of our biggest defensive plays we've led up this past season, it was because the safety did not do their job. And we had so many injuries at that safety position. You know, and everybody who came in and filled in that safety spot was terrible. So my top two guys on my list, Jesse Bates and Marcus Williams, two players who are top 10, arguably top five at the safety position, both players pretty healthy. Your amounts of times in their career, I don't think both have ever had a serious injury and both know how to play in the coverage game and both are also pretty solid tacklers. So going out and get getting one of those two safeties has to be top priority for the New York Jets. Then I really like Dalton Schultz from the Dallas. He's been a pretty good target for Dak Prescott the past two seasons in Dallas. And he also would be just an awesome player for the New York Jets because not only is he a pretty solid receiver, he's also a really good blocker and is the best blocking tight end in this year's class. And having a tight end who can, A, catch the ball really good, and B, block, is like maybe there might be some concerns with Schultz not exactly, you know, being a great tight end because he's in that Dallas offense with all those great players. But personally, I don't even buy into all of that because when Dalton Schultz is putting up the numbers like he was the past season, don't you think defenses are going to be like, oh, we actually got to pay attention to the tight end now instead of not making making him a main priority. So I don't buy into all that at all. And then we have Lincoln Tomlinson, guard from the 49ers. And then my fifth player is James Daniels. Guard from the Chicago Bears. Two players. I definitely think the New York Jets need to address that is probably going to be the biggest question mark for, you know, who's going to be the new player on the offensive line. Because personally, how I think we address the tackle position is either going to be Makai Beckton or George Fender loses that left tackle job. is just going to go back to the right tackle spot. But Lincoln Tomlinson and James Daniels, I really like both of those guys. Tomlinson was actually playing in the Pro Bowl last weekend. Now, the Pro Bowl is kind of a joke. Frank Clark was in there after he had like four and a half sacks. But, I mean, offensive line, they that's actually like a position in the Pro Bowl. You know, offensive line is not exactly a popularity contest because, let's be real, offensive line aren't exactly the most popular people in sports. So, I kind of view, you know, offensive line going into the Pro Bowl as kind of like, you know, something that actually matters. But Tomlinson, he's been really good in San Francisco the past seasons, and he also knows his offense as well as our coaching staff, and I do think that's going to be a big factor. And then we have James Daniels. He's incredibly young. I be- He's going to be like 24, 25, heading into his fifth season in the NFL, and he just had his best season of his career in Chicago, and this enters glory days. And then I just want to give an honorable mention to Devondre Campbell from the Green Bay Packers. He um, was an all-pro this season, you know, linebacker. I don't think a lot of people know him. I really don't know Campbell as well, but he's definitely a guy we have to be wary of because last offseason he signed a one-year deal for only $2 million, and then out of the blue he just has an all-pro season. So definitely not a guy you want to give big 
money to. But if the New York Jets can find a nice deal for him, then I would like him to be, you know, a linebacker alongside CJ Mosley. But that's my top, well, I guess six free agent targets for the Jets this offseason. I love it. All right. So my top five free agents, guys, that I would like the Jets to go after. Now, mind you, this is just a tentative list. It can change, but these are guys that that I kind of sort of have my eye on. And also, when I pick these guys, they are based upon team need. Now, number five, because I still feel like the cornerback is still an issue. I'd like to get a little bit of veteran leadership, a nice mix of youth, a little bit of veteran leadership in there. Two guys that I have on that top five over here. Number one is going to be J.C. Jackson, cornerback out of New England. Yes, he plays for the Patriots. Yes, there is a possibility he may end up getting tagged or New England may may end up re-signing him to a deal. I don't know about that because New England is going to have some money issues this upcoming offseason because of all the money they spent last year in free agency to get themselves back to the playoffs. So, what the New England Patriots are now experiencing is what everyone else in the NFL has been experiencing over the last decade, which is a roster that's good, but not good enough to get you over the hump. So congratulations, New England Patriot fans. Welcome to the rest of the NFL. Now, second guy that I would like, safety, Jesse Bates III. I think this was on Jude's list, if I recall. The reason being is because of the question marks surrounding Marcus Marcus May. Now, in reality, I would love to see Marcus May be re-signed and be York Jet. That's my heart talking. All right? But the question is, does Marcus May still have the same fire and the same passion for the New York Jets organization that he did when he was first drafted? I know the man wants to get paid. We saw the difference in the New York Jets secondary when he was in there and when he was not. So, that being said, if I'm Joe Douglas, I make sure that I have that safety valve right there and you get another young buck to come on in here and to and get them ready to play in this particular system. Plus, Cincinnati's defensive system is not that uh, not that much different from what the New York Jets play. So, He'll be somewhat familiar with some of the calls. I think maybe some of the verbiage might be a little bit different, but I think he'll still be able to come in here and to and to fit in rather nicely. Now, next guys that I'm going to be looking at, and I know this is going to be a source a, a sore spot for some people, but you want to know why? Because this has been ridiculously underutilized. So. And not really addressed either. Time to say goodbye to Ryan Griffin. Time gets time to say goodbye to Daniel Brown. Kenny Yaboa, you can hang on to. Keep him on your depth chart. Which is coming up on number three and number two on my list. Dalton Schultz, tight end out of Dallas. And Mike Kosicki, tight end out of Miami. Why? Kosicki has kicked the hell out of the Jets. And has had career days against the New York Jets. Playing in a crappy offensive system. Yes, you heard me say it. I think that Gusecki comes to this offensive system. I think that he will be able to have a little better production than he would had he stayed in Miami. 
That's number one. Number two, Dalton Schultz. Dude could block. And not only that, he could also catch the ball. So, right away, by signing those two guys, you instantly upgrade the tight end position. So now, having Kenny Yaboa on this roster becomes a little bit of a luxury. I said, do you draft Trey McBride then? If you upgrade with, like, a Schultz or Gasicki, do you draft uh, McBride out of Colorado State? That's a great question, Jimmy. You know what? I never really thought about that. But if the Jets could make that deal. Because that's a third-round pick. McBride's going to be there. You know what? If he's if he's on the board, why not? And as long as you've already addressed offensive line. Because I know we have to address the defense. We need a pass rusher. So this is where I'm kind of looking now. Here's my number one guy that I would that I would like the Jets to take a flyer on. If he's available and depending upon whether or not you could get him in here at the right at the right price. Now I know a lot of people are probably gonna look at me and go, huh? Randy Gregory out of Dallas. The dude's got a friggin' mean streak. Okay? And I think that if you put him in Salah's attacking style defense on that defensive line, I think that he really could have some success here, provided you you continue to fortify the interior because Foley Fatukasi is going to be up for a contract. Nathan Shepard, it's time to get rid of him. John Franklin Myers needs to step up and play up to that contract. Kyle Phillips, I'd like to see Kyle Phillips have a little, a little bit of more expand, expanded role. But we need to start also getting some other guys in here. So I haven't looked fully... At the defensive line, I'm going to be honest with you, but every time I watch Randy Gregory on the uh, on the field for the for the Cowboys, he is always creating some sort of problem in the backfield. So, got to be worth taking a look at. So, those are my five. What do you guys think? Like it a lot. Definitely like that Jesse Bates and Dalton Schultz, two guys who were on my list were on your list as well. So, glad to see that. Randy Gregory did definitely surprise me. Was not expecting <laughs> to see his name on there. But, I mean, I like the take because, I mean, Gregory, I, I mean, I was doing some research on some of the free agents today in class. But Gregory, he did a pretty good job this past season for the Cowboys. And I, wasn't he the guy who was suspended for quite a bit because he wasn't like something well, – that was Gregory, I want to say. But whenever he's came back in the NFL, he's definitely – that still has it and right with the new team because i think he's just been too much in dallas so once he maybe could get a a fresh start i do think we could see a way better randy gregory and you know i was surprised to hear that but i mean i definitely do agree with the randy gregory take if you put marshawn Lattimore on the opposite side of bryce hall then the jets would actually have the number one and number two cornerbacks in deflected passes pass defense from 2021 i'm just saying that would be something crazy. That would be something special. We can name them the SWAT team. SWAT four. Hey, hey, I like that. There hey, we go. That's, that's good. So let me ask you guys a question real quick. Then on a t-shirt. <laughs> so you got to keep that in your back pocket because if they may expect on JudeJets.com, the SWAT team to be up there, all right? So. <laughs> JudeJets.com. Right. There we go, bro. <laughs> JudeJets.com, the SWAT team. You heard it first right here on Weapon Top. All right. I'd buy uh, it. Word. Yo, put aside a 2XL for your boy right here. That too, so. Question. Taron Armstead, offensive tackle out of New Orleans. He's 31, no. Would you take a flyer on him, yes or no? 
George Fant, Makai Becton is that's who I think are tackles next season. Don't know where, but I believe both of those guys are going to be our tackles. George Fant might not have been the best right tackle in 2020, but after the season he had as left tackle, I don't think we're just going to boot him back as a backup because I don't know if anybody really remembers this, but it's stuck in my mind. George Fant got the start over Morgan Moses week one against the Carolina Panthers. And Morgan Moses did a pretty solid job as a right tackle this past season. So the Jets saw something in George Fant in practice and said he's a better right tackle than Morgan Moses. You know, we're not signing Morgan Moses to be a backup. We're signing him to come in and start to protect Zach Wilson because George Fant didn't do a great job in 2020. But George Fant beat him for that right tackle job. So I definitely think either him or Becton can do something on the right tackle spot. And I'm definitely in the minority with this take because I know a lot of people want to tackle with 10 or with four. But I do think Makai Becton, George Fant is a really solid tackle group. Don't matter where, but those two guys as our tackles in 2022 would not be that bad. And it would keep Zach Wilson standing up right. Jimmy, what do you think? I would also have to say no, but only because if we resolve wide receiver in free agency, then I want either uh, – it's either Evan Neal or Ikem Aquanu, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, Aquanu, that's the dude who, like, Lowell Lichmore completely, like, blew up the the chats with, I like Iguanu, I like Iguanu. Yeah. Because of Lowell, I actually went and watched some tape, and the kid's a beast. So I'm not I'm not taking that away. Um, so I want that, and then at ten, I want Linderbaum. Linderbaum is probably gonna is is probably slated to be fifteen through twenty to twenty five, roughly. But I would be okay with reaching for him because because here's why. If you drafted those two players, whether they start or not, if they're getting, if you get that type of player at center and another one and another tackle, then you have the first line of defense, our ones and our twos are going to be top 10 NFL offensive lines, each, each. So what people forget is our offensive line down the stretch ended up becoming ranked 11th overall by PFF. And that was with Dan Feeney. That was with Becton being down. That was with a mid-season acquisition of Loren Duvernay-Tardif. Yep. That was, you know, with AVT as a rookie. You know, Morgan Moses being hit or miss. You know, he, he played better than he played poorly. Like, he was more positive than negative, but it wasn't consistent. And that was the 11th ranked offensive line. If you added those two guys and let everybody fight for the job, best player plays, that means worst case scenario, your backup O-line is the 11th ranked offensive line in the National Football League. And your starting offensive line is a top five line game one. Finish the line. Finish it. Make it it the Great Wall of China. Whatever. (laughs) You want to call it, but give Zach that protection and with a new, with a brand new elite receiver with Michael Carter, full strength, 
with new tight ends that CJ wants and a Trey McBride drafted in the third round, driving down the field and giving that defense a rest more than we did in 2021. Mm-hmm. So that our new edge rusher, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, can be opposite of Carl Lawson and we can wreak havoc on, on opposing offenses. That's what I want, man. And I do want to quickly say about Teron Armstrong too. He does have a little bit of an injury history too. I'm just saying no on a flyer for him because I like what we have and I want to I just want to add to it through the draft. I don't want to bring in more. And we, yeah, more. if we could get that awesome offensive line, add some tight ends, and then we're getting Michael Carter back full strength, Elijah Moore back full mm-hmm. strength, Corey Davis back full strength. Once all of these weapons we brought in last offseason, plus some new additions, I mean that's a top ten offense in the NFL. Oh, by the way, did you know if we if we traded for DK Metcalf, Jude, have you heard what his cap hit would be for the Jets? Under a million? 1.1 million. Wow. Wow. If we could have it's a receiver funny. like Metcalf only getting paid 1.1 million, that'd be insane. I actually talked about Metcalf in like a video maybe about a month ago. I just I just really like Metcalf. Whenever all I love those that rumors kid. are going around. I mean, he I've been preaching for a big body receiver who has speed. Guys like Traylon Burks. I mean, Traylon Burks is like my dream for this year's draft. But if we can get DK Metcalf, because Burks resembles a lot of game from guys like Metcalf and AJ Brown. If we could get Metcalf, that just creates a lot of draft flexibility as well. But Metcalf is such a beast. Those pitchers with him all jacked up, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, would be nice because if the Jets were able to make a deal for DK Metcalf, now, mind you, this is a pipe dream, but to. He he instantly he instantly upgrades the wide receiver room. There's not as much pressure on Corey Davis now. Keelan Cole could could be kind of expendable. Jamison Crowder is going to walk anyway. Yeah, unfortunately. So for me, believe it or not, even if you do bring somebody like a DK Metcalf into that wide receiver room, you know who now becomes expendable. I mean, he's kind of expendable now, but it, it's just even even more so. Denzel Mims. What do you need Mims here for then? We don't. I'm done. I'm over the. I'm over Denzel Mims. Deal the kid. Let him go play somewhere else because he's obviously not going to get game time here. For whatever reason, for whatever reason that is, whether he he was a draft pick for the coach who shall not be named, that's who Joe Douglas got him for. Okay, you want to think that he could fit in any system, but he's not. So either either Solid just doesn't like him, or he's not picking up the playbook. Or, or whatever the case may be, he he obviously, you know, he's getting sick every every other week. Like, I it's I'm done with it. There's no reason to keep paying the kid if he's not going to be on the team. Just send him send him off. Maybe somebody else can get something out of him. I want him to succeed, but I just I don't want the roster spot used up on a guy we're not going to use. Same he's with too- P Ryan. I love P Ryan. Yeah, uh, P. Ryan I kind of feel the in. yeah Let I kind of feel the same way around. I, I I feel the same way about Michael P. Ryan. I feel the same way about Jabari Zuniga. It kills me to actually say it because I really wanted these guys when they were drafted. I re I really wanted them to to come here and to and to be superstars. But if they just don't fit the system, then this is a move on. Let them be able to go to go catch on someplace else, and mm-hmm. maybe they have a, a moderately decent NFL career. Piran's little brother, Samarja, is I mean, playing in the Super Bowl, the Jets, dude. At least the Jets draft players from your college team, CJ. Mine, we don't ever get any Boise State players. <laughs> Same with and I blame Kyle Wilson. 
And I blame Jamal Adams, too. <laughs> uh, so, And you know who I blame? I blame Dean Milliner and his goddamn vaginitis. <laughs> All right. So let's go around the room as we're, we're, we're starting to come I, up I against. Blame, I blame Ja'Kai Polite. Dude, Ja'Kai Polite ruined it for the University of Florida players, period, <laughs> when they are drafted for the New York Jets. 100%. Okay, because, dude. I it, never it, want another Florida edge rusher again. Yeah, it just, just, he just. Zuniga Polite did not work out. Yeah, but the thing is, is that, like, Jabari Zuniga is like the anti This was a dude who would, first in the building, last to leave, always studied. The problem is, is that, that the, the kid was hurt. And then even when he played hurt, he still made an impact too. And the thing is, is that, you know, Greg Williams obviously didn't think enough of this kid to even give him practice time on the reps, you know. And then when he was when he was in the game, I think he played for like a total of 11 snaps in, in 2020. And I think he played in three snaps this past season. Now, granted, in the three snaps that he played in, he had a sack strip fumble mm-hmm. And he had two tackles for loss. So, I mean, he, he was able to find his way into the backfield and, and to, to, to create problems and create mismatch problems. But three snaps is not enough to justify me keeping you on an NFL roster. Maybe a practice squad, dude, if somebody goes down and we can put you in if we really, really need you. But, and then Michael Pirine, too. Pirine last year was one of the best, was probably having his best training camp as being, being a New York Jet. Then he gets hurt. Hurts his foot. After three weeks, he's good to go week four. Probably could have come in at any time for either Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson. But instead, we went with Fumbelina, Ty Johnson. Okay? And then we proved why he's a journeyman running back. Why? Because he put the ball on the turf. Couldn't catch the ball. Old stone hands Johnson. Right. So, so you know, one of the things about LaMichael Pirine that I kept hammering home, and Jimmy knows this, all right? Kid doesn't fumble. Kid can catch the ball. He may not have electric speed, but he's going to bash people. He's going to bash people, and he's, he's going to get positive yardage. And then every time that they put Pirine in, they put him in a play. They they put him in a formation that was doomed to fail. That the defense knew what was coming from the from the start. They may as well have just lined him up in like a, a lime green tutu and said, "This guy's getting the ball." I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's like they didn't give the kid a legit shot to go out there and say, "Can you be a, a serviceable member of this football team?" And if that's the case. That you that you're not gonna use him, then then cut him. Let him go catch on someplace else. And I'm sorry if you cut him, you take the risk that he's gonna end up in New England. And if he becomes Danny Woodhead 2.0, I'm telling you, I'm gonna bring this up. And when people are still really Michael Pirate sucked, he sucked when he was here. Yes, yeah, so did Raheem Mostert. The moment that he was cut from the practice squad and then he went to the 49ers, guess what happened? He became their number one bell cow and ended up playing in the Super Bowl that same season. So all you closet analysts who think you know what an NFL running back should be, shut your mouths because you know nothing. You're worse than Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper combined, even with the bad hair. Just stop embarrassing yourselves. All right. I can't stand Mel Kuyper. 
same. I have to watch the draft on NFL Network. Like my brother, he put it on ESPN. And I'm like, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mel Kiper's on there. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, just gotta watch it on NFL Network. All right. So let's right, get together here. Let's all, let's start with final thoughts. Jimmy, you're gonna start it. Then we're gonna kick it over to Jude. Oh, finish it up and take us home. All right, guys. My final thoughts are. I, I say it all the time, but let's just let's just let this process play out. Everybody's fans for a reason. And I mean, I, I even put myself in the category. There's a reason that we're not working for NFL teams. You don't know any more than anyone else and you don't have the inside information. Just let this process play out and and, and pump the brakes on the negativity. This is getting old. My final thoughts. Don't give Braxton Bears nine million. Go hard in free agency. But at the same time, I'm not Joe Douglas, and I've really liked everything Joe Douglas has done so yeah. far as an info general manager. And if he gets Braxton Berrios, I will not like it, but there's always going to be the part of me that's going to be like, well, I mean, Joe Douglas did put the okay sticker on that, so I'm going to have faith in him. So I might not like some things that the Jets do this offseason. Personally, this might be a hot take, but I like the cornerback duo of Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, and Michael Carter the second. I don't think we should draft a cornerback early, but if Joe Douglas decides we need to do that, then I'm okay with that. I'm going to be like, that's the right decision. So just be okay with whatever Joe Douglas does. That's my final you guys are going to hear me say this a lot this offseason. Jimmy's heard me say this a lot on this show probably since we started. Competitive sustainability. That's what Joe Douglas is trying to build. We are not trying to build a one-hit wonder. We are not trying to build a 10-7 and football team that's going to barely miss the playoffs because of a tiebreaker. He's building a team that's going to be competitive throughout the entire regular season game to have meaningful games in the month of December. And most of all, that can get into the playoffs, go deep into the playoffs, And possibly make a Super Bowl. Every time that the NFL playoffs are going to be mentioned. The New York Jets are going to be mentioned within that. This is what Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are trying to build. Get with the program or go root for somebody else. Because I'm just completely sick and tired of everybody calling themselves realist. And just being little pissy farts. It's like you get a Facebook account and you get a Twitter account. And you think it's a license to just go out there and spew with no accountability and no recollection. And the same way that people come up into this show's comments and this show's direct messages and call us out for takes that we have, a la Scott Kalispe and company, okay? We're going to throw it right back at you because we're fans just like you. We read the same information just like you. The only difference is We're not going to sit here and piss, bitch, and moan and act like the friggin' sky is falling every goddamn day. We're going to come in and we're going to let the football people do football work. And guess what? Joe Douglas is either going to build a winner or he's going to be fired. Robert Sala is either going to coach this team to a winning record or he's going to be fired. And then we're going to hit the reset button all over again so Jets Nation could continue to piss, bitch, and moan about who the next asshole they bring in here to run this ship. I know that everybody thinks that they have their own vision of how the New York Jets should look. That's great. Share the vision. But don't act like that the people around you don't know football because you don't know what the guy next to you is thinking. That guy next to you could be a fan for 60 years. 
all right? So I'd listen to them. And there are other people out there, okay, that do that watch their tape and do this and do that and read articles and so on just like we do, all right? But we're no smarter than any of them. And they're no smarter than us. They only act like it because nobody's there to punch them in the face when they make a stupid-ass comment on social media. That's the reason. That's the difference. Be a fan. Root for this team your way. But don't be an asshole. That's all we're asking. We're not asking you to move mountains. We're not asking you to walk on water. We're asking you to just be mindful. And take everything that you read with a grain of salt. Because if there's one guy in New York Jets history right now that's probably playing it close to the vest, it's Joe Douglas and the New York Jets front office. There is zero leaks coming out of Florham Park. Even the right. janitorial staff can't even put a finger on how many, how many pieces of toilet paper Joe Douglas and Robert Sala used to wipe their ass after they take a shit. They probably all got like a guessing game, and I can guarantee you every wrong. So do yourselves a favor. Don't believe the hype. Use your brain for once. Those are my final thoughts. Get on board. Get on board, guys, because there's nothing worse. When this turns around, there's nothing worse than being a front-runner bandwagon fan to the New York Jets. If you don't get on board now while we're bad, you're going to be a Jets front-runner fan. Who wants to be that? Nobody. Nobody wants to be that. Dude, there ain't no such thing as bandwagon New York Jet fans. You're either in this life or you're not. There will be very soon. I don't think when this team turns it around, there's even going to be those bandwagon fans either because the the, the, the fans that have been here through all the muck and the mire, they're going to sniff out the, uh, the Fugazi ones. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to do it for tonight's episode of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. And by the way, just a heads up, Weapons Hot will be having a brand new Twitter handle very, very soon. And we will announce it right here on this show. Okay? So, once the announcement goes and that Twitter handle goes live, be sure to switch and follow the new Weapons Hot handle for all of our content. As Jimmy's got his content Kevin's going to be having his shortly, and I obviously will have ours. And don't forget, besides Twitter, you can follow Jimmy the Reaper Jardina Jets by Jimmy. You can follow Jude Jets at Jude Jets. Is that correct? Jude underscore Jets. Jude underscore Jets. There we go. Thank you for that. Twitter, Instagram, all those. And of course, you can follow me, JetsFan0523, and my my other partner in crime who is not here tonight, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman. There are plenty of ways to consume Weapons Hot. Got a Facebook page. We got a YouTube channel. We're on Jets World. Our main home base is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If you haven't already, download the app. Go to the website, WorldwideSportsRadio.com. And, of course, also links to not only our show, but the other cool shows on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So, for Mr. Jude Jets, thank you so much for coming on, my brother. We appreciate you. And Jimmy the Reaper Jardine. Thank you guys for having me. This is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off for tonight. We will see you guys when we see you guys. Peace, love, go Jets. And I'm going to leave you guys with the best chant in the National Football League.
This has been Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.